0: (laughs) Romans chapter 12 we're working our way through the first two verses and uh, again to share them with you this morning chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is moved from presenting doctrine, the first 11 chapters, uh, to how to respond to all that God has done. And he starts it with that idea of, of, of an appeal. And uh, again, and this idea of an appeal I shared last week, to urge, to beg. And it was pointed out to me that the King James Version actually used a very good word, uh, to beseech. It creates that, that, that urgency that Paul had that you know, in response to all that you've heard about what Christ has done and all the grace that God has poured out, and, and how to receive and, and be in that as you rest in that. Now move this direction, and this is in such contrast to the way we normally think. Even you know, and, you know, as Christians, we don't always uh, we don't think in this idea of the urgency to pursue after Christ, especially after we've walked with him for a few years or more, and we feel like. You know, we have a fairly reasonable understanding and knowledge of who God is and what he does and, and how the grace works and all of those things that we look at in reference to it. And then all of a sudden something will come up and you'll realize that you're, you're stagnant. Just kind of sitting still. Not, not much happening in the way of your spiritual walk. And, and that's because we forgot this urgency that, that, that Paul mentions here. And and as we go through that, just keep that in the back of your head. You know, part of it too is is the desire. Um, and I have to say, it's the desire of the flesh. It's not the desire of the of of, of the the spirit of God in us. So it's it's got to be the desire of the flesh. And that is how you know we can't get this attitude. How close can I walk to the line uh, without crossing over it and being on the wrong side of things? Now. I I normally upset somebody when I use this simple analogy, but it works for me, and so I'll use it anyway. (laughs) And and that's the speed limit. How close can I go to it, or how little can I go over it before I attract attention? Now, I've had people that tell me that they'll set their uh, uh, speed control at, at 68 or 69 miles an hour because they know that that's within the range that that the highway patrol normally isn't going to do anything about it. By the way, let me warn you, (laughs) as a a teenager uh, zooming down the freeway at 69 miles an hour in the slow lane, people passing in the fast lane, I got pulled over. And I remember being so upset with the judge. I went to appeal. I said, you know, I was, the, one of the, I was not the fastest traffic on the road. Why did And he says, Mr. Hapgood, it seems, and Mr. Hapgood, when you're 19, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Hapgood, it seems to me that your concern is actually that you got caught, and the rest of them didn't. Were you over the speed limit? Yes, but Mr. Hapgood, what was the speed limit? 65. How fast were you going? 69. But Mr. Hapgood, well, you know, uh, and, and he was very generous. He reduced the fine to $10, and and uh, but he let it sit on my record, nonetheless, which impacted my insurance. So really, that was the most expensive part of it anyway. Why I say all of that is, is because I was convinced that I was well within range being in the slow lane with all of the other people, that I was just fine. That's the way we look at things, isn't it? You know, what... It, Look at our kids, you know, by nature they come to this conclusion. What is, the, what is it I have to do in order to keep, you know, peace but not cross the line and get in trouble? And they balance that and, they, and they, as they get older they keep stepping over the line just a little bit to see what happens. And then as they step over the line, eventually they get far enough that where we come alongside. Now that's far enough. You know, parents, when we, when we, at least when I was growing up, my mom had four octaves. And the first one meant nothing. And neither did the second or the third, I figured out. It was the fourth one you had to worry about. And it normally encompassed my full name. And uh, and, and at that point, I knew I'd, I'd crossed the line. But until she reached that octave, I knew I was still on, on, on I was I was over the line, but I was safe. And in a sense, that's what we look. Paul says, I want to urge you to have a whole different idea about this i'm appealing to you i'm beseeching you i'm urging you by the mercies of god look what in the mercies of god by the way are what god has done for us i'm not going to go into great detail oh yeah i am uh, you know uh i i have a list of of, of the mercies of god here <laughs> i didn't write this a guy by the name of tom browning did but uh it just caught my my eye, and, and it, this is just all that came out of out of Romans, the revelation of the gospel through his holy prophets, the incarnation of the Son of God, the giving of the law to push men toward the gospel, justification through faith apart from the law, the redeeming work of Christ purchasing us from the bondage of our sin. The imputation of Christ's righteousness, peace with God, future hope of glory, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, deliverance from God's wrath, reconciliation to the Father, eternal life, a promised future resurrection, being freed from the dominion of sin, transference from the realm of sin to the realm of life, freedom from the condemnation of the law, the abiding presence of the Spirit of God, adoption as the children of God, intercession of the Holy Spirit, be named, as co, be named as co-heirs with Christ, or fellow heirs or joint heirs with Christ, the privileged suffering with Christ, the future redemption of our bodies, the promise of our sanctification, the certainty of our ultimate glorification, the certainty that God is for us, the promise that he will give us uh, all we need, the promise that we can never be separated from God's love and inclusion into the people of God. That's quite a list. And what Paul is basically saying is is that we are to be uh, thankful that that God has has put us into this this position, these mercies that he's pouring out onto us. And as a result, instead of looking behind us and seeing, you know, in a kind of sense, how far I I can get away from the line that, that divides man from the world, we should be focused towards the cross and how close we can get to that. That's the distinction, I think, that, uh, why he's appealing so passionately here. And he, then he gets into the, 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 the very clear response here, uh, the initial response that he wants, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Before anything else happens, the, the, the first thing that, he, that he's urging us to do before he tells us how to, to handle certain situations, how to deal with other problems, how to, to walk with Christ in certain uh, areas of, of life, he presents with us this, this picture of present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is something that is holy and acceptable to God to do this. The very first thing he tells us to do Now Paul is assuming here that the the mercies of God have done their work in your life, that you have opened your your life to the Lord, that you've become a a child of God, that you are saved because there's no other way to experience his mercies than to come into that relationship. But having done that, he says, Now, as a child of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he ties it to spiritual worship. And I thought of when he did that, and and I'll get to that later, but the idea of of coming into the framework of of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You know, like Jesus mentioned to the Samaritan Mormon in John chapter 4, you know, the idea of, of this is how God is to be worshiped. And it starts for us to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. It starts with us offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Interesting terms that Paul uses here, he starts with this idea of presenting our bodies, to present ourselves. Now, I, I, one thing I, I realized as I went through looking at this word, we are going to present, we have already in a sense presented ourselves. <laughs> we are either presenting ourselves to the world or we're going to present ourselves to God. There's no in between and that's that that is not acceptable to a lot of people even Christians bulk at that but the bottom line is, is that we are either you know it's either to towards God or towards the world it, it, it's not like you you can walk parallel somehow and 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 be in the right place so one way or the other I thought of the 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 song that uh, uh, I think it's uh, Shirley Walsh Sings that, that actually was written by um, uh, Bob Dylan. And then somebody say, he's talking about Bob Dylan from the pulpit. Oh my gosh. There was a Christian era of Bob Dylan's music. Unfortunately, it didn't last. And I don't know that, that he ever really walked with the Lord. But he did write some, some interesting songs. Uh, There's a slow train coming as one of them. Beautiful song of, 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 of talking about the coming of Christ. And one song was, you've got to serve somebody. It's either the Lord or it's the devil, but you've got to serve somebody. And he says, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the the head of a church. You can be the head of a bank. It doesn't matter. You've got to serve somebody. And uh, uh, by the way, our action reveals the way we walk our life on a daily basis. It reveals who we've chosen. Um, So we are to present to to come to a point where we we offer ourselves, and the idea of this word present is also something done willingly, not begrudgingly. I'm a Christian. I can't do that. Think about it. You know, I I tell the, especially when I work with kids, and, and I've spent probably more of my ministry working with kids than anything else, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, things and, and, and uh, they will be trying to be strong and they'll say, you know, they're telling their friends, well, we, I can't go to that movie. You know, it's I'm a Christian. I can't go to that movie. And we need to transcend that thing. I, I want, I'm a Christian, so I don't want to go to that movie. See, the, just a simple, kind of tells where we are. Even us as parents, no, we can't do that today. We've got to go to church. <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> when I should be saying, oh, we don't do that. We get to go to church. You know? So, so there's, a, there's a sense of the way we talk even that reveals where we are with all of this as to how, how focused we are. But it's this idea of resenting is something that's done willingly, not begrudgingly. And, and, and it's done in the same way as the idea of an offering. Uh, and, and we're not doing this to change any idea of God in reference to us. We've already learned through 11 chapters of Romans that the, God's view of us has already he's received us. You know, as his children... You know, he loves us. He's not going to throw us out with the, you know. So so the idea is, is that we're not trying to earn anything with him. So our motivation must have some other value, something else motivating it than to just to ideas to, oh, well, I, to, I need to be right with God. Kind of like we will do all the things that are right to be right with our parents in order to get, what, maybe our allowance or, or, or the privilege of taking the car out when you get older, uh, whatever, you know. This this is not to motivate God to love us, to accept us. He's already done that because if he hadn't, we couldn't approach him in the first place. So this is to develop our relationship with him in a sense of resting in his grace and seeing his glory closer and closer and closer. And if he's eternal, which he is, uh, we'll spend a lifetime, and I believe in eternity, seeking to know fully who he is. Because he's always going to be beyond us. Even as we see him clearly, we'll see him clearly only in the sense of certain areas. I think uh, I had one professor in college say. He says every time we turn around and look at the face of God, we're going to behold something fresh in him. And and uh, it's it's just this idea that he's eternal and we're we have a beginning. And even though we are eternal in our in, in, in the sense of of living forever, we aren't eternal in the sense of beginning. We're finite in that sense. We we have a beginning. And so this idea of of seeking to know him better. And and all of this is in response to what he has already done because of the mercies and the grace that he's poured out on us. It's 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 an offering of thanksgiving. It's an offering of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise. And then Jeremiah goes on and talks about it as a, th- a, sacrifice, a, praise, a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The psalmist writes in Psalm 116, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? In other words, what shall I render? And, and, and that's to give with, in, a, in, a, in a very full, complete kind of way. Unto the Lord, because look at what he's done for me. And by the way, as we present this sacrifice, I want you to make sure that you understand we don't need any priest to do this for us. We come to the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 tells us, boldly or with confidence, his mercy and his grace. To rest in his mercy and grace. We are are invited to come boldly before his throne through the blood of Christ for his mercy and his grace. Peter says, we are a priesthood of believers. All of us. So when we pray for one another, we're acting as intercessors, as priests for one another. We don't have... A a set order of priesthood. You say, well, wait a minute, you've got a pastor. I'm the preaching elder, if you want to be definite, you know, distinct about it. I am a member of the congregation who's been set aside to spend time studying and researching to preach and teach the Word of God. What happens if there's not enough money for us to do that? It's happened before. (laughs) Well then I I'll find another job and I'll and do whatever I have to do because that my, my my the nature of what I am called here to do hasn't changed. And so there isn't a priesthood. We are all the priesthood of believers, called to offer our spiritual sacrifices, Peter calls it. Our bodies is what Paul is talking about here, and and there's much discussion about what what it's meant by our bodies. Is it is it the physical, but just the physical body somehow? We're we're to just offer our bodies, or how is it you know is it inclusive of other aspects of it? And all I can think of is is, is to use a description that uh, William Newell, who was a, a a preacher in the the early 1900s. Uh, uh, wrote it this way, he says, when a man willingly presents his body for service, it carried the whole of the man with it, or all of the man with it. And then he used, uh, he, he was British, so he used the royal uh, mili- uh, army, uh, the, you know, uh, the idea of the military as service. When a man said his oath, he said his oath to king and country, and, and he committed his, his life physically, mentally, mentally, and in every way before the, 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 the country, in a sense, by his oath, to, de- to defend his nation and the honor of his king and, uh, or queen. And uh, so I, I, what he went on to talk about was is that man is told, you know, basically the idea is, is that we are coming to God, presenting ourselves heart, soul, mind, might. Does that sound familiar to anybody? heart soul mind and might it should love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and, and might if you if you look at luke chapter 10 the way jesus says it when he's asked what's the greatest commandment and and when you go to what jesus quoted out of deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and so to love the lord your god with all your strength is another term that's used so it's it's physical it's mental and of course uh, it's, it's involved here because he says spiritual worship. We realize it's a spiritual relationship. The soul, the very soul of man is involved in this. It's the whole of who man is. It's how we are called to identify and relate to our God, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and, 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 and strength. And, and so this is the idea to offer him uh, ourselves as a living sacrifice. And this word living I, I to literally it, it's it's a word uh, that's tied with the word biology when you you know the zoe it, it's it's all, got all sorts of places it goes in in translating into the english but to live to breathe to be among things that are living uh, not lifeless not dead uh, Opposite, uh, you know, of the Old Testament sacrifice, in the sense that we didn't bring a living sacrifice. At the point that it came to the altar, it was already what, dead. But now Christ is taking care of that. We don't do that kind of thing anymore. So we come, yeah, praise God. So we come now to the throne of God as a living sacrifice. And this idea of, of, of coming to him is because Christ is, is, is taking care of all of our sin once and for all. Now, figuratively, uh, uh, the idea of living sacrifice, the word living here is also taken as living for some particular cause. Living for uh, some particular relationship. Here, it's obviously tied to living for whom? God. And so, we are, our very breath, See how it's tying together here now. Our very breath is committed to God. Our very words are committed to God. Our tongue is committed to God. Okay, Jesus says, in order for our tongue to be committed to God, what has to be committed to God first? A heart. (laughs) Okay? And so that relationship of being saved, it all ties together. So our living, breathing bodies are offered to God as a sacrifice. Again, not for sin, but as thanksgiving and praise for the mercies he has poured out on us. And not with boasting, but with a humble heart broken over sin. Gee, I wonder where I heard that this morning already. Psalm 51. We sang it, and then we listened to it read. Read. broken heart over sin it says god will not despise what does that tell you about a heart that's not broken over sin what's the inverse he does despise <laughs> if you if you come to god without a broken heart over your sin then you you haven't really approached his throne there's something between you and god at that point a gap when you've broken heart over sin, I think of David for eight years or eight months that he was uh, that after he had taken Bathsheba with his wife for seven months, however long it was, uh shortly before the the birth of their of their son, their illegitimate son in initially uh and and when he's confronted, that's when his heart broke. How many times did David do all the traditional offerings? I wonder in that that seven eight six month period of time? yeah. He didn't, get, he didn't get close to him, the father. He was, for, the, the, for that season in his life, he was not a man after God's own heart. But when he was confronted, and people, I, I, I always get people to say, oh, that person's not really sorry. The only reason why they're, they're sorry is they got caught. Well, some people, that is true. But sometimes it's the getting caught that breaks you. David didn't run out and say, oh, by the way, I've done this he was confronted in a supernatural format because God gave knowledge to Nathan uh, as to what had happened. And so he confesses, and his heart is broken. Psalm 51 is a picture of that confession. The sacrifice is holy. Holy means to be set apart for God in the opposite side of that, meaning that it's not offered to anyone else. (laughs) In other words, we don't offer our bodies to anyone else. It's holy, set apart for God. It's offered to God. And by the way, the word holy also means without blemish or defect. blood of Christ and it's acceptable I love this word and it's just a, a simple word it, it's accept- it's the opposite of, of again despise it's well-pleasing to God for us to do this I just think about that and the, the idea of the response to 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 the mercies of God is the desire to want to what Please him. Now, as parents, occasionally we get to see that even in our children, where they do something without cause. Just run up and say they love you. Or they, you know, uh, the little boy that approaches his mom with a bouquet of flowers and says, I'm going to marry you when I grow up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, just a sense of, of just that. And just focused love that just says, I love you, in response. The last phrase here is, which is your spiritual worship? New American Standard uh, puts it, spiritual service of worship. So first word here, spiritual, it's the word we get our word for uh, logical from. I don't normally think of spiritual as logical. Because I think of spirit in the context of supernatural, which is outside of the laws of God. I mean, you know, but logical in the sense of man's ability to reason once it's been infused by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Once the Holy Spirit has come in and we're saved and we see the mercies that God has done, there is a logical response to what we see. Reasonable thing to do. It makes sense with respect to what we see, to do. To the world, it looks absolutely crazy. Paul, in fact, uses the word foolish. The, the, it's going to look foolish to the world for us to say, oh, I rest in the grace of, 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 of the risen Christ. I, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in his virgin birth. I believe that this is actually the inspired word of God. You take it literally? Yes. By the way, there's a, a Jackie Davis called me. She was very concerned. Um, there's a show on television. It's going to be on the History Channel about the Bible. And uh, I don't normally discuss the, these things one way or the other in, until I've seen them. So I can't voice my opinion really on one, one way or the other as to how accurate it is or anything like that. But the one thing I know is I've yet to see the History Channel approach anything about the searching for knowledge in reference to understanding the Bible, with the idea that it is the inspired word of God. I've yet to hear them say that, ever. So if they don't start there, beware. So if you choose to watch it, and I'm not saying don't watch it, if you choose to watch it, watch it with Bible in hand, knowing this is the inspired word of God. It's not just a sense of history or stories, but it is the inspired word of God. Okay, side note, little rabbit trail. Um, Spiritual, logical, the right thing to do. It comes from the, the mind of a person, this decision that is a spiritual decision, that man has meditated on something and come to a conclusion about it. What do we meditate on? The Word of God. On the mercies of God. It also implies, this word logical also implies action, a moving toward something. And a response is made, and Paul says it's an act of worship. To worship God, to be in awe of who God is. To honor God for what he has done. To praise him to acknowledge he alone is worthy to give glory to him all glory is due his name again acts of, 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 of spiritual worship would be things like uh, our, our you know I offer up a sacrifice of praise or I offer off uh, the sacrifice of Thanksgiving Uh we're not you know, sacrificing in a sense of anything, but, but what we're doing is saying we're offering up something and bringing it to the throne of God. I present my happiness, my joy, my excitement in what God is doing for me. Now the question, though, comes as to how often. Because I've, I've heard this quoted, uh, daily offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. But it doesn't say that. And so how often do we do this? Well, I I figured, well, it's it's legitimate since the words are tied into it's praise and and thanksgiving. We offer offer up uh, the idea of thanksgiving as a sense of praise. How often are we to be thankful for everything? All the time. How often are we to rejoice? All the time in all things. (laughs) How often are we to offer ourselves up as, as often as it occurs to us to do it? And if it's not occurring to us on a daily basis, at least, then we need to be praying that God would open our hearts to his, his, his presence in our lives and that we would be faithful in doing this, but, but that he would open our hearts and our minds to seeing it more often through the day than just once. No routine to this, but just something that would come across our path and just acknowledge again, God, I worship you. I'm offering I, I, I my day my mind my thoughts so that they're transformed and we'll get into that later so uh, uh, this this response is, is it's an act of worship and 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 to honor and to acknowledge and to give glory to God Paul in chapter uh, six of first corinthians uh nineteen and twenty and and there's just a phrase in there that, that where Paul says, you are not your own. You know the rest of it probably from here now. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Offer yourself to God. There's a lot more detail in this, and there's a lot more things to discuss, and there's a lot more points of views in here. But the general picture, I think, is is, been, is is what I've tried to give you this morning. The God of all creation emptied Himself and came to us and gave His life for us, so that we could have victory over sin in Him and approach His throne as holy and acceptable, no other way, no other avenue, no other name. Every Sunday we celebrate that in communion. And when we take communion, it's because he has embraced us and saved us. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what he's done. And that's what we're celebrating, what Christ has done. But it's also that time where we say, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Good time to do it. It's a good time to say, search me, O God. It's a good time to repent. Not the only time in a week's period of time, hopefully, but but it's it's a good place. So I'd ask the ushers to come and and, uh, uh, pass the communion out, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.